Hello, everyone. Welcome to Freedom Broadcasters live, live Stream International. So busy or not, we always show up for you because we care. So did you even notice that lately we don't hear anymore about uh, flu cases or other cases? It seems like influenza disappeared on the face of the healthcare system. And if you have friends who are coders, ask them. They'll tell you because they know they, they code cases. And then in this whole mess, we see that the narrative is like a fight between the battlefield of virus against humans. So where does truth really lie? And then some people ask and reach out to me and said, where can we be connected in order that we can form a community so that we could bring more truth out? So these are just few of the questions brought to my attention. And these are also just few of the questions that it will be answered today. And we are honored to have Dr. Eric Nepute. For me, he's my wellness warrior. He's relentless, courageous, and passionate doctor with boots on the ground. And also, he's also my Christian soldier. So he is a husband, a father, an outstanding entrepreneur with wellness establishments, at least over 12 of them, all over the country and successfully helping people, thousands all over the world. And he also runs a genetic laboratory and he can tell you as more about that later on. So he's, he's more than just your ordinary doctor. And, but he could have been settled down and do nothing and keep silent, but he didn't choose to do that. So today I present to you Dr. Eric Nepute. Welcome and thank you for your presence and everything that you do. Thank you for that introduction. I, I'm honored and humbled to be here. And, uh, you know, I always say doctor is Latin for teacher. We're supposed to teach people, uh, give them the truth. Whatever people do with that truth is up to them. But as far as I'm concerned, we all need the freedom to choose. And you can't do that unless you have the information. So uh, let's get into it. This will be fun. Exactly. So the first question I have for you is, where do you see us heading? Because you're always out there, not just speaking up, but you're meeting um, people like on the Senate and everything. So where do you see us from your experience? Well, isn't that the, uh, the, the, the trillion dollar question, right? Here's where we're at right now. We're at a crossroads. We literally are at a crossroads where we get to make a decision do we go left and enter into more lies, dishonesty, confusion, corruption, uh, false information, and just obey the machine? Or do we wake up and realize our God-given potential to be happy, healthy, wealthy, abundant, and wise? I mean, that's what we're promised. The problem is, is that is for whatever reason, there are individuals that don't want us to know that we have choices. Life's all about choices. God gave us many things, and free will is one of them. Un Unfortunately, we have a great the future that we want. And um, so, Grace, I will tell you this. We are in a, and you can use this word however you want. We are in a reset. It is time to reset. But it's not the reset that they were expecting. You see, the problem is, Grace, with all this stuff and everybody that's listening right now, I'm just going to share from the heart. I hope you guys are okay with that. By the way, everything I talk about, I can back, back up with science. I can back up with uh, God's gifted me with a part of a photographic memory. So I can tell you what page, what journal, what year was written. So just 
ask me. I'm happy to do that. But I've also been given a passion and I've also been given children. And I'm going to tell you that I'm not going to let my kids grow up in a world without the choice of freedom. I'm not going to let my grandkids, my great grandkids, I don't ever want to be sitting around the table 20, 40, 50, 80 years from now. And someone says, Hey, great, great grandpa. What did you do whenever the whole world lied to everybody? Did you just go to your basement or did you tell the truth? Well, it's obvious what we're doing. So the reset that's happening right now is going in a different way than they wanted it to go. They are the people that are trying to keep us oppressed, keep us suppressed, suppress the knowledge, the truth. What they didn't count on was people like you and I and everyone else who didn't want to get involved. Let me tell you something. I, I would love nothing more than to be able to get up every day, go take care of my patients, go home and be with my family, get up and repeat and have a happy, healthy, just blissful life. You think I, I, the last thing I want to do is spend, I'm in, I'm in Indianapolis speaking at a seminar right now. We have 600 people I just got done speaking to an hour ago. I'm going back to speak again for two more hours about what's going on. And I'm literally, we had to give them a break to scoop their jaws off the ground because I showed them what's really happening. And so the main thing that I told these folks, the same thing I want all your viewers to listen is, they did not count on people like us who didn't want to get involved, that we're now forced to get involved. And now we are the force to be reckoned with. And I'm telling you, and all of you on this call right now and this webinar are seeing it, the house of cards is starting to implode and we're making that right turn. We just have to be smart because they that are trying to dictate and direct our future are going to pull us really hard to the other way. So we have to be aware of false flags, false narratives. We have to know the truth. We have to understand what's really happening. And by the way, this was a process for me to learn and understand. You know, I grew up in central Illinois. I'm the son of a pig farmer. We had more pigs than people where I grew up. I was just told to obey the system when I was a kid. And I finally realized that didn't work out very well. And so, Grace, that's kind of where we're at now. I see us at a crossroads. We're making that right turn. People are waking up. We just got to make sure that we're putting our foot on the pedal to help them make that right turn. Because right now, censorship, suppression of information, suppression of wisdom and knowledge are the highest it's ever been, at least during my lifetime, right, that I can speak to. So we've got to make sure that we're educating people so they can make up their own decision and then get back to that beautiful mindset of, I don't care what you do as long as it doesn't affect me. And you shouldn't care what I do as long as it doesn't affect you. You know, common sense, unfortunately, just ain't that common anymore. So that's my take on that. Thank you, Dr. Nepute. You and us and many are on board with you with that. But let's, let's, let's look at what the common ordinary people will always uh, experience our comment, okay? So it's like a weighing scale. So people get sick, they get better. People get sick, they don't get better. What is it that makes those who get sick get better? Because obviously at some point we get sick and then those who never get better. Well, I think what it goes back to the question of what does it mean to be sick? I mean, what, what does sick mean? You know, like, let me ask you a question. If, if you eat something that is toxic to your body or poisonous to your system and you throw up and have diarrhea, is that being sick or is that your body doing what it's supposed to do? You know, I mean, the, the def, we, we don't have a good definition of, of, of health. We've been misinformed. We think that health is how we look and how we feel. Health is about function. And, and you don't have to look like the guy on the cover of the men's fitness magazine to be considered health. Some of my closest friends 
are patients of mine that have been on covers of those health magazines and they truly are some of the sickest people on the planet, but they look healthy, right? Because we don't know what health is. So, you know, the, the, the deal is this, what separates sick people from healthy people is understanding what health is and working towards achieving it. You know, if you put a, if you put a million people in a room that are exposed to a virus, whatever virus you want to expose them to, you're going to get a million expressions of symptoms. And you're also going to get a lot of people that don't have any symptoms whatsoever. So what's different between those people that express symptoms and don't are the level of toxins in their body, their body's ability to resist the sickness and disease. Health is all about balance. It's all about being at balance. And, and that's physical, chemical, and emotional balance. But we've been brainwashed into thinking that if we look good and feel good, we must be healthy. But how many of you watching right now know people that look good and felt good and dropped dead of a heart attack or look good and felt good and left their doctor's office with a diagnosis of heart disease or cancer or diabetes or something like that? You see, we've got to stop our, defini- our working definition of health on how we feel. So it, it, to me, it's all about understanding. And it's also about understanding that the people that, um, that got us into this situation, the quote unquote health experts which we don't really talk about health experts. We actually talk about medical experts. And by the way, medicine is one is one piece of a healthcare system, one piece, okay? When people say, where do you get your medical advice? Well, I mean, I'd rather get health advice than medical advice, right? If I need surgery, then I'll take some medical advice. If I feel like I need a drug, I'll take some medical advice. But if I don't need drugs and surgery, I need health advice. And by the way, I need health advice before I have drugs and surgery. And I certainly need health advice during and after so I can get off that stuff and never have to have it again. So Grace, I think it's all about getting the right definition of what health really is and then working towards achieving that and then making sure that we all not only have like-minded people in the community that understand that, but we also have like-minded healthcare providers. You know, doctors took an oath the first part of our oath was first do no harm. And the second part of it is, is do everything you can legally, ethically, morally, and consciously to help your patients get healthier. I think a lot of our, a lot of doctors need to be reminded of the oath that we took because most of us cut, burn, kill. I mean, if you look at really, look at Gary Knowles' work, Death by Medicine, you know, people, people say, well, heart disease is the number one killer. You know, some 750,000 people a year die from heart disease. Some 650,000 people a year die from, from cancer. Iatrogenic death, which is death from medicine, that's 900,000 people a year just in America that die from that, from properly prescribed drugs, from hospital stays, and et cetera. And, and I'm not saying that you should, we should stop that system. I'm not saying there's a point and a purpose for that, but that can't be where we turn for health. If the number one cause of death is that, and we're turning that to get healthy, that's the most oxymoronic thing uh, we could possibly talk about. Thank you. I'll pass it on to, to Roy. Um, I, I, it must be frustrating for you when you see the health representatives uh, of each country basically encouraging people to wear masks, nothing about going out and getting natural daylight, vitamin D, zinc. I know you've got stuff that you promote on that, but like, what's the best way for people to actually, you know, they're being brainwashed by the propaganda on the television. Like you're a doctor. You, what's the best way that we can tell people that they'll wake up? Boy, that's a great question as well, because, you know, human psychology, one of the things about human psychology is people do what people do, right? I mean, you you guys understand this, the, the, it's, it's, it's the, the three stages of truth, right? The first stage of truth is you get ridiculed, right? The second stage is, is that people start to try it and they start going, well, wait a minute, what this guy's saying and this girl's doing is working. 
Then the third stage is, is that is that it's acceptance, right? And I'll just tell you this, what's so frustrating, I have had conversations and debates with thousands of healthcare providers. Um, I have a radio show I have I host here in, in the United States, here in Missouri. And uh, I put a $10,000 bounty out. And I said, if anybody can have a debate with me and literally beat me on the merits of science that wearing a mask stops the spread of a virus or especially stops the spread of you know, the thing that we're dealing with now, I'm not saying the word because I don't know how censorship is on this channel, but certain words you say are all of a sudden blocked, which is very not cool. Um, and we had a doc, I had my, my producer call and say, hey, we, we finally have somebody that wants to take you up on your debate. I said, great. And they said, but I don't know if you want to do this. I said, why? He says, well, he's a PhD. I said, perfect. He's a PhD in immunology and he has a PhD in environmental health as well. I said, great. He's also a Nobel Prize winning doctor. And I said, perfect. This guy thinks he's got evidence that's going to support wearing a mask. So I did a debate with this doctor live on air. And we had a, two people moderate it. And when we were done, I clearly mopped the floor with him with the, with the vast amounts of knowledge that we had. He thought, because he was a PhD and a Nobel Prize winning doctor, that everybody would just bow at what he says. Well, I put 35 studies against his one. And by the way, Three weeks after I did the debate with him, his study that was published got unpublished out of the medical journal that was in because we sent that, that interview to them. And when you do, I've written many papers. You have to be able to defend your dissertation. Well, this guy couldn't defend it. And so they got, they pulled his paper. So I think what it really is, is, is letting people know and, and, and all of us moving towards this doing like I'm in a hotel right now. I'm, I'm in Indianapolis, Indiana. They have mask mandates. I don't wear one. I haven't had one. No one said anything to me. Everybody's looking at me like, what's this guy doing? He's not wearing a mask. And by the way, I'm walking around with my scrubs on and it says Dr. Naputi on it. So if anybody wants to have a conversation about why we're wearing a mask or not wearing one, let's talk about it. And then every time somebody says something like, you know what, I'm going to take this stupid thing off. And then they take it off. And then another person does it. Then another person does it. It's kind of like that, that's, that, uh, that poem goes, you know, our greatest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our greatest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. And it is our purpose to let our light shine so that it gives other people unconscious and conscious purposes so they can let their light shine as well. People do what people do. Just do it. Like, here's the reality. If you look at the data, especially when it comes to masks, look at, look at states like California and New York. These guys had 95 to 97% compliance uh, from the beginning of mandating masks. I mean, they wreck their economies. Everybody's moving out of New York and out of California so quick. It's not even funny. And, um, and look at those states compared to like states that I'm in, in Missouri. Now there's a reason why we haven't had a mask mandate in Missouri. Cause I've been in the governor's ear from day one on this and showing them the science, showing them the data. So, so, so the, um, the, the, the states like Missouri that have not had mandates and Florida that have not had mandates compare those to the ones that have looking retrospectively going, wow, California and New York had the most mandates, but yet they had the most cases. How is that possible? They had the most deaths. How is that possible? Anybody with common sense is going to go, that doesn't make any sense. So I can bore you with the science because we have 103 studies that we've put on our sites that shows that masks don't work, never have. And then when I hear from doctors, it just it's I'm so sad by my profession because we're so used to just being told what to do. Uh, you have to remember that most doctors in America, less than 15% of us are in private practice. 
So we have to rely on somebody else to sign our paycheck at the hospital or at the clinic. So we're going to do whatever the hospital tells us to do. So, so once people step back and just with a little common sense, not with fear, but with common sense and look at things, how could you possibly can be convinced that a mask works? And then if I don't know if you saw this, but the most ridiculous study that was just done by the CDC, they just tried to do another study. It came out a week or so ago and they did a study wearing masks and how it potentially can prevent viral spread. And they didn't even do it on humans. They put the mask on mannequins, on mannequins. Well, I don't know uh, if you don't know this, but mannequins aren't humans. They're not real. They're not alive. They don't have exogenous and endogenous viruses. And oh, by the way, did you know that? Did you know that you have viruses in your body that are in, that are supposed to be there? 90, I'm sorry, 45% of the human DNA is made up of your microbiome. And if you don't have that, you can't be healthy. You can't live. D diseases like leukemia and other cancers, we know that that early exposure to certain viruses help prevent that when you, as you get older, because it boosts your immune system. The lack of just, it's it's comical. I tell people anymore, they, they don't have common sense. They have COVID sense. And, and so again, it's to answer your question, we just need people to do it. Whenever you, it's kind of like my, my, my mom told me, she grew up, my mom's pretty young, okay? She grew up, in the late 60s and 70s. And she used to tell me about when they would go and burn their bras. It was like the women's movement, right? And I said, mom, that's kind of odd. She goes, yeah, well, what happened was is that once one person burned their bra, everybody was running around with no bras on. It was awesome. I said, that's what needs to happen now. Take that damn diaper off your face, burn it, and then you'll be fine. And I'll tell you this, uh, last thing I'll say to this, this is this. I've been in private practice for almost 20 years. I've got multiple practices. I've got all kinds of doctors that work for me in my practice. I have seen more. I have seen more cases of bacterial respiratory uh, infections in the last six to twelve months than I've seen in the last twenty years combined. And it's coming from the fact that we're breathing in recycled air. We're not expressing our toxins like we're supposed to. Wearing this mask makes you more sick. Now here's the here's the here's the last thing that I want people to realize, because the truth always comes out. It always comes out. It may be it may be not as fast as we want, but what are you going to do? What are you going to say to the people that lied to you, that told you that wearing this was going to make you healthier? And then what are you going to say to all the people that you censored and you ostracized and you told were crazy when you find out they were right from the beginning? What are you going to do then? Because that's the next thing that's going to happen. When the great awakening and the great reset really happens and we learn what health really is, that's my lane, okay? So I'm gonna stay in that lane. Who are you gonna follow? You're gonna go back to following the people that cause these problems? You're gonna follow people that have the solutions. That's what I'm excited to see what's gonna happen. Yeah, excellent, love it, love it. And we'd love to get a copy of that debate because I think we'd all share it on our platforms because that's the one thing that uh, everybody should see. So that's brilliant. Uh, no just problem. quick, um, because I, I'm surrounded by, you know, let's call them freedom fighters, everybody getting the message out. Some people, they feel like they're they're on the fight on their own. They don't realize there's so many people out there. You know, sometimes they throw in the towel or they, they have like a yo-yo effect going up and going down. You've, I mean, you're talking to 600 people at the moment, so you're, you're, so maybe you can tell people, you know, not to be thrown in the towel, that there's a lot more of us out there that are fighting this. You're, there are so much more of us than there are of them. And by the way, them don't know they're us. <laughs> what I mean by that is this, when, when they realize, I can't tell you how many times I just did an interview yesterday morning, uh, out of Houston, uh, on uh, it's a top 10 network. And, and I, I had a conversation with the, uh, reporter 
who they have millions of people watch their their news report every day. And she asked me about the Johnson and Johnson jab versus the other two that are out. And I showed her the difference. And then I said, well, you know that 60% effectiveness doesn't mean that it stops you from getting infected like vitamin D does, by the way. It basically can maybe kind of, we're not sure, but it might minimize your symptoms. She said, that's not what I heard. And I said, where'd you hear that from? And you know where she heard it from? She heard it from an organization called the Associated Press. The Associated Press sends out press reports every day to newscasters to read them. Once I help, once I explained that to her and showed her the data, she's like, oh my gosh. She goes, I need you to speak to my group. I have a private group of people in the media that really don't feel right about reading the news the way that it is. Don't feel right about what's happening. Would you speak to my group so that they can learn the truth? And I did. And there's a media movement that's getting ready to happen as well. Yeah. There are... In America alone, there are, and I'm not kidding you, hundreds of millions of Americans that, that know the truth. But the problem is, is that the average person, and I know this is true in Ireland and all over Europe and all over the world, is that everybody thinks, what can I do? Who am I? I'm just a mom. I'm just a dad. I'm just a grocery store attendant. I'm just a, I'm just a nurse. I'm, what can I do? No, no, no. You possess way more power than you possibly know. Every one of you watching and listening to this right now, especially online, you're all authors and publishers. You have a social influence. You have a network of people. If they try to suppress you on socialized media, then have people come to your house and let's watch movies. What did people do before we had, we had Facebook and all this other stuff? We gathered, we spoke, we met and congregated. Do that and guess what happens? Once one person does it, that one turns into two. Then two turns into eight, eight turns into 16, 16 to 32. It just keeps growing and growing and growing. And this is what people want. They want the truth. They want people to have certainty about the truth. You see, here's what I'll tell you. This would have been over a long time ago if they would have done what we asked. We said, hey, let's have a conversation in front of the world population. Let's get on television. Let's do something. You bring your data and your science. We'll bring our data and our science. Let's have a conversation. Let's have a dialogue, not a monologue. No one has ever accepted that because why? Because they will get completely demolished because there's no science, no evidence, nothing that supports what's been happening right now. It's been done out of fear. And by the way, it's been done out of fear and the protection, the, 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 the false protection that, well, I'm just doing this as a doctor or as a nurse because well, there's this new thing out, this novel virus, which by the way, we've known about this, this particular virus since the middle of 2019, just so you're aware of that. In fact, if you look at some of the research that Dr. David Martin has done, there've been some patents that have been released on SARS virus going back all the way to 2004. So we've known about this for a long time and all that's getting out now and people are more receptive of it. So I'm just encouraging people to get involved with local organizations. If there's not one, start it. Here in the United States, we have a huge movement called Make America Free Again. Go to that website. It's Make America Free Again. Go there, and we've got this amazing thing that we do called Thursday Groups. You can do it any day of the week, but we've got people that are literally gathering, and this is beautiful. They're gathering together in these small groups. There may be 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 people, and what they're doing is they're educating each other, number one. They're getting together in a community because we're communal beings. We need to be around each other. We're made for communication. If you look at the longevity studies, people that live longer have relationships with other people. Okay. And what we're also doing is we're saving each other's businesses. Here's a great example. I just had to talk with a lady yesterday in their group. They have a, they have a, um, one lady who's an artist and she does like painting classes. 
And they said, all right, well, how many, how many people do we need to come to your class every week so you can afford to pay your bills? One lady is a massage therapist. And we said, well, how many, how many massages do you need so you can keep your living going? And we're all just using each other's services to keep this whole thing going because everybody's essential. So doing things like that. And then what we do is we get our knowledge enough. And here's the power. The power is this. The only thing that elected officials care about, the only thing that they care about are votes. And the only thing they care about is the power of the people. We now know that even though there could be some, let's just call it fabrication or issues with voting machines and et cetera, the power of the people right now can overturn that. We're getting ready to throw out one of the most corrupt governors in the state of California. Um, he's getting he's getting ousted. I mean, it took a little while, but he's getting thrown out. So we, the people, have more power than than you would think. Beautiful. Love it. Love your energy. I'll pass it on to the next person. Thank you. Okay. So just following on from that, I know earlier in the conversation, you mentioned about the dangers of masks and obviously from a health impact and obviously from a psychological impact, especially on kids when they're growing at their learning ability age. And it brought back a memory because I know a couple of months ago, you actually done a, a video. I think it's about a six minute video. You were sitting inside in your car. It went viral. But one of the statements you actually came out in the video early on was you said that the and you're very passionate about it. That's what I like is your passion as well. It says is the actual you said the system is set up to kill people. Now, I'd agree with that statement. Um, some people can interpret it because it can be a quite a broad statement, an umbrella in itself as to what you're actually interpreting in itself. I would, would presume you're on about the pharma, the medical industry, and that kind of big pharma and all its tentacles that come off it. I would agree with it. Obviously, they want you to be a patient for life and stuff like that. But for people who haven't seen it or kind of come out coming out with a bold statement like that, what was your interpretation of what did you mean was your version of why you came out to say that on it? Well, first of all, I'm a doctor and I told you guys I took an oath to first protect my patients to do no harm. And when I see my patients, like if, if, if I have a patient that's, that tells me that their eye hurts all the time and all I see them doing is this, they're poking themselves in the eye all day. What would be one of the best things I could do to help them with their eye pain? Stop poking yourself in the eye. That's called common sense. I'm seeing all these patients with bacterial respiratory infections. They're literally going to hospitals from this. They're getting fungal infections in their lung. What's the one thing causing that that none of these people ever did before? They're wearing a mask. So isn't it my job as a doctor to go, let's find the root cause and fix it, take the dang thing off? And that also was around the time that the study came out of Germany. I don't know if you saw this study. There was a 25,000-person study that came out of Germany, the schools in Germany. And they did a... Um, uh, a study where they, they went to the schools and they asked the parents and the students, 25,000 kids and, and, and parents were interviewed and they said, what kind, of, uh, what kind of problems are you seeing with your child now? 68%, this is a powerful study, 68% of those kids reported some type of detrimental effect because of wearing the mask. Everything from headaches to fatigue to anxiety to depression to learning and concentration issues to not wanting to go to school. These kids, are, they're already, we already have so many sick children. It's not even funny because of our lifestyle and the drugs that we have. Now we're putting a mask on them and causing more problems. I mean, this is going to take years to correct what, what they have done to our children. And so that really, quite honestly, that really pissed me off because, I mean, it doesn't take a rocket science to, to see what's happening here. And oh, by the way, I don't know if you know the psychology aspect. I was talking to here locally, there's, um well, there's a very famous doctor here locally that's on television. I can't say his name, but let's just say that he was founded by Oprah and he's on TV a lot. I'm not going to say anything other than more than that. I was having a conversation with him and his people about this. And he said, Eric, I got to tell you right now, what they're doing to our children 
You see, by the time that we're seven years old, we develop, we, we start to understand neuro-linguistic communication by watching people's mouths, by seeing facial expression. You know, I communicate for a living to educate people and the use of expressive speaking and, and all this stuff, it's, it's from our facial expressions. And we're literally covering that up. And it's causing so much negative psychosis in our children that that, that literally... We literally have to convince, and this is really what he said. He says, we almost have to convince these kids that what we were living through was almost like a dream and it was a learning experience, but we have to learn from this experience and we have to remember our history, which is why I have such a huge problem with people trying to burn books and, and, and rip down statues and all, because if we don't know our history, we're doomed to repeat it. So, you know, and as a father, I have three children of my own, right? And my kids have always gone to public school. Now, I always have a phrase. I say, don't let school get in the way of your education, right? And it's up to parents to help educate that. And there's a, there's a whole bunch we could talk about with that. But my daughters, I have a seven-year-old and a 12-year-old. In fact, my, my little girl's 13 today. And we kept them home from school, those two girls. My son is a sophomore in high school. He's 15. And he made a conscious decision to that he's like, dad, I want to go to school. I know I got to wear a mask. And I said, do you know why you have to wear it? He goes, yes, because that's the rule at school. There's no other reason other than if I want to participate in their system, which I choose to, dad, um, I wear a mask. And we actually have some that, you know, they cut the mustard for the school, but it's basically like, <laughs> it's basically like putting a, sh a shade over your face. There's nothing, there's, it, it, they're the, the safest mask you could wear, if, if that makes sense. But the psychological, the physical, and the neuroemotional damage that's been done to these children we're going to have to work for the next couple, I think, decades to reverse that. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. I think we've destroyed a whole generation of kids. Um, I'd call love for what it is. It's 100% child abuse, in my opinion, as to what it is. Um, we just, the days of tiptoeing around words and we fancy that day is well gone. Um, but shifting the goalpost a small bit, um, you've been in the industry so long. You have so many contacts within the field itself. A lot of these people in, inside, be it nurses, doctors, healthcare professions, administrators in the front desk in a hospital, a lot of these people are, by their silence, they're complicit in actually what's going on. A lot of people know this is not right and what's going on around the world. Is it because simply there are young doctors going in, they can't do anything about it, all their careers are ahead of them, they're, the older doctors they're afraid, or the middle kind of type doctors they're afraid, or license is going to get cut off straight away, the usual stuff, I have a family, I have a mortgage, so on and so on. But isn't it kind of, in a sense, you're in there to heal, help and cure and make people somewhat better. But if you're complicit in the crime itself by staying silent, how are you kind of helping somebody by you getting a measly paycheck at the end of the week? What's your thoughts being on the inside of that as to why there's a silence? That is, to me, one, that is the most frustrating aspect of this to me. Um, there's not a day that goes by that I don't have... 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 healthcare practitioners that reach out to me that say, I wish I could say what you say. And then they, they say, but, but I would lose my job. I would lose my license. I, one of my close friends is a, he's a medical doctor and a senator. And they have tried to take his medical license three times for speaking the truth. The last thing that they tried to take his license for was because he made a statement that, um, that said that this is, uh, that you actually have a higher chance of dying from the, the flu than you do from this virus that's, that's circulating around right now. And the flu uh, shot's been around for 30 years. Well, that's a medical fact. You cannot argue that, but they're trying to. So it, it absolutely is that. And again, I just, I mean, the majority of people that are at this conference 
our, our nurses in the ERs or their hospital workers or their, and they're here like under aliases. There's so many John Doe's and Jane Smith's that are here. It's not even funny because they don't want people to know where they're at. It's, and that's sad, but I understand why, because again, and what I said at the beginning of this was at least here in America, less than 15% of the doctors and healthcare providers work for themselves. What are you going to do? Take my paycheck away? My paycheck is predicated off of me spreading the truth. And I just have this problem called a conscience and I have to tell the truth. And God always provides for me no matter what. So it's my job to let the light shine. Where all these other folks say to me, they're like, hey, you know, I would say that same thing and I agree with you 100%, but man, I can't lose my job. That's the response I'm hearing from everyone. It's sad, but that's the truth. Now, how do we shift that? Again, it goes back to the three things of truth. The first time it comes out, people get ridiculed. Then people start to follow it and see, hey, wait a minute. Like, for example, you guys, um, in Missouri, during 2020 to now 2021, my offices, now listen to this number. My offices have been responsible for over 400,000 office visits, okay? We don't mandate masks. We don't mandate anything. You want to wear one, you wear one. That's your decision. You have free will. But don't you think that... um, my office would be a super spreader office that we'd be able to track all this back to my practice, 400,000, 400,000 office visits. Okay. And, and, and that's just in St. Louis. That's in the greater St. Louis area. But yet my patients don't get sick. They don't have viruses. They don't, they're not in the hospitals. I've had five patients, five, five. I know them by name and I know the days that they went to the hospital, five people out of 400,000 that ended up having to go to get some medical intervention. And here's the deal. These people were either diabetics, they were heart disease people, they were already so sick that any little thing, the flu would have caused them to have issues with this. So I think once people realize that, they're seeing the writing on the walls, we're already seeing at least some political shifting here in America. Now I'm going to tell you what's going to happen is because we're seeing that shift happen, move to the right turn that we want to take, you're going to start seeing a bunch of false flags and false narratives trying to push it back to that left because they, they, they don't, they're going to go, they're going to start putting false flags out about these new variants, which is a complete joke. They're going to start talking about your kids having more problems, which whatever is the most fearful thing to you is what you're going to be hearing about in the news coming up. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's, that's what my experience is. Yeah, it does in a sense. It's pretty much what I thought in the sense. And is there any way because there's so many, like you said, just by you, one person, you yourself, there's so many contact new beat on a daily basis. Is there where people can get together? Because we know if you go on your own or there's five or 10, you get singled out and you get destroyed. You get hammered straight away, be it the media, by your professional industry. Is there a thing like an underground movement people can make if there's enough fee? Because you don't need the vast majority. You just need a, a good proportion to say, hang on. We're not taking this. And all of a sudden, they cannot take every single license, thousands upon thousands of license overnight. That'd be just chaotic. That just couldn't happen. Is ratting like that a movement that could be worth spreading with the contacts and stuff you have? I think and if, if enough people did it underground first to say, hey, hang on, this is an idea. We can all pretty much come out on such a day at such a time. We're all here together. You're going to take thousands and thousands of a professional license for what? It's just so- an idea. No, you're you're right. And and here here in America, we have a movement that's taking over right now. There's a couple of them, and we finally all decided to get together. And that is very scary to them because now we were all these little camps and now we've decided to unite the clans and everybody's coming together and there's strength in numbers, right? So we have the um, Make America Free Again movement, which is which is aligning with uh, a doctor's huge doctor professional organization and 
we're aligning with an attorney's organization. So not only do we have the boot on the ground people, we also have the professionals, the doctors that are showing the science. And now we have the, the lawyers who are going, wait a minute, uh, this isn't legal. And, and so that is a huge movement. And I'll tell you, uh, th- there are these movements that are happening all over, all over the world. I would say that because we have such a great resource, I mean, there's, there's some good ones that are in Ireland right now. I mean, I don't, do, you, do you know Dolores Chahill? Do you guys know Dolores? Yeah, you would so do, she's, yeah. A, she, she's a friend of mine, um, yeah. very powerful woman, got a lot of great stuff going on. So if anybody goes to that Make America Free Again site, goes there, joins the movement, then if you're, if you're international, we've got international contacts that we can hook you guys up with. So that, that movement is happening. And here's the thing. People think that we need to have millions and millions and millions of people. We don't. We need 3%. That's it. We need 3%. of the people that lived in the United States during the American Revolution was all it took for us to stop sipping tea and start drinking Budweiser in America. And that's that's all we need now. All we need is 3%. There's way more than 3% of people in the world that are tired of this crap and realize that this is just complete bogus. Now, I'm cool with the fact that, you know what, maybe the first 10 to 14 days when this first came out, maybe we just need to make sure everything's good. But after that, this should have been over a long time ago. And the by the way, the, the, we have data and, and science to support this. The measures that they have restricted us to have prolonged this thing intentionally. And we have, again, documentation to prove all that. Yeah, no, I agree with what you're saying, but uh, I'll pass you on to Steve. Okay. <laughs> Perfect, thanks for that. Wow, oh, thanks for uh, all your passion, man. I've been listening to you getting fired up. Um, a lot of my stuff was kind of covered already, but you know, a big thing I come across is people who saying, oh, they would, you know, what, what's the motive? Why would the government do this? Or, you know, a big thing to kind of understanding that there's, there's deception and corruption is that there's a mo you know, people can't, people just don't think there's a motive. So I want to sort of change. I just sort of curious what you're awakening, what awakened you? When was that moment that you realize things are inverted and we're, we're, we're told lies. And in order to help people realize that, you know, there, there is, there is a motive and this is it. Um, it, it, can you explain your kind of awakening and, and why people would do something like this? Sure. Well, Steve, first of all, you got to understand what I'm talking about now is what I've been talking about for 20 years. I, I had this shift in my mind. Well, growing up as a child, you know, I grew up in a, in a household where my mother, who is one of the toughest people on the planet, was just sick all the time. And my own mother was literally almost a case of what we would call death by medicine. She had, a, she had an injury when she was a kid, damaged a kidney, and that then caused her to be on high blood pressure medication. That didn't fix the problem, so they put her on three more blood pressure medications. After doing that for five years, it killed her liver. Then it killed her kidneys. Then she had to get on dialysis. Then they said, hey, you're bound to this for the rest of your life. And then finally, we said no. And by the way, most of the education and stuff that I've looked at and researched and whatnot all comes out of frustration, Right because I had to get someone better that I didn't know how to get better. And the journey that my mom went on has helped, helped me learn and bless millions of people. So, so my, my journey on this craziness started really 15 years ago. But then, you know, and I'll just, I gotta be honest with you, when I'm young in my career, I thought, you know, who am I to make this change? What a lot of people say, right? Who am I to make this change? Who am I, who, what, what are they gonna, we got a hundred years of industrialized medicine by the way, if you guys want to know the history in the United States of medicine, I'll share that with you. Because if you don't understand the history, holy crap, 
It will blow your mind if you understand this. And then again, if you don't understand the, the history, you're doomed to repeat it. So, so then I started seeing patients of mine that were, that were getting better with certain things that I would do, but I would have to send them back into the system. And when they got back in the system, they came back more jacked up than they did. I thought, well, hold on. I need to figure out how can I personally control more pieces of the healthcare system. That's how I got into integrated medicine. So in my practices, we have medical doctors, DOs, chiropractors, PTs, nutritionalists, psychiatrists, um, surgeons, everybody all working under the same roof to get this person better. Because I found out when they had to leave my world and go back into the world out there, they were put right back on that merry-go-round of sickness and disease. So to me, it makes total sense. And Steve, I've just been a researcher, man. I literally, the past 20 years, I probably read four to five hours a day. Some days I'll read 14 hours a day studying. And I'm just, that's just my thing. That's my passion. And so what's interesting is if you have a diverse background, you can say, well, okay, well, neuroimmunity says this, but nutrition says this and internal health says that. You didn't know that. And then you put this together and go, boom, there's the world's greatest pizza. And it helps people. The problem is our healthcare system is compartmentalized. And this is what I want everybody to understand. It's compartmentalized to the fact where, I don't know if you have this in, 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 in foreign countries like we do in the United States, but kids get this little toy when they're babies. And it's like this little thing where you learn how to put shapes in the little, like you got to put the circle in the circle hole and the triangle in the triangle. That's healthcare. The healthcare system in America, probably the same way it's a little bit worse actually with socialized medicine in other countries, but we're not too far off of it here in the United States. People don't think we're socialized medicine. We totally are. Um, we just pay more for it. Um, is if you don't fit, if you don't fit in that little circle, they punt you to the next doctor. So if you go to the, let's say you go to your doctor and you've got digestive issues and you got shoulder pain. Well, you go to the GI guy, the GI runs all your tests. They say, oh, there's nothing wrong with you. Go somewhere else. So then they send you to the internist. The internist says, there's nothing wrong with you. Go somewhere else. Then you go to the third, the final, the specialist, you go to the Mayo Clinic, you spend $20,000 for a day of test for them to tell you that you have iatrogenic, I'm sorry, idiopathic irritable bowel syndrome. Idiopathic means we don't know the cause. It's a fancy doctor word for saying I'm an idiot and I don't know why. And here's your symptoms. And so then what they do is they pass you to the psychiatrist and they say, hey, you're crazy. You don't fit in our system. You're crazy. Good luck with that. And then when you as the individual get so frustrated because you know you're not crazy, you're dealing with this stuff every day, then you become a knowledge seeker. And then when you reverse your sickness and disease and you get yourself healthy, that's when you become super scary because now you're the proof in the pudding that you can help yourself. Now, Steve, the reality is this. If we look just in the United States, because I know, obviously I know healthcare history here. I don't study it that much in other countries, but I mean, the history of healthcare started with these two guys. Andrew Carnegie and John D. Rockefeller. You ever heard of those two guys' names? Oh, huge, yeah. Huge titans of industry. They actually, well, if you look at it, they ran the petroleum world. Well, guess what they found out they could do? People don't realize this. 90 plus percent of your medications are petroleum-based medications. They use oil to make the, they use oil and petroleum to make the, the, the drugs. Which, by the way, those are toxins which by the way, keeps you sick, keeps you on the merry-go-round of sickness and disease. So Carnegie and Rockefeller got together and they said, hey, we figured out a way to make these drugs. Um, by, the by the way, whenever they were going through their deal, they there was a lot of healthcare providers in America. There were chiropractors, medical doctors, doctors of osteopathic medicine. There were herbalists, nutritionalists, napropathists, all kinds of healing arts. And you got to choose who to go to because you paid out of pocket for it or you bartered, right? There was no insurance. 
So what Rockefeller and Carnegie did and they're evil geniuses. If you look at, if you look at um, the work that was done by, um, oh my gosh, Napoleon Hill. Napoleon Hill said one of the most powerful things is the power of the mastermind. Well, Carnegie and Rockefeller knew this. Mastermind also means monopoly, by the way, okay? In some cases, if you do it for evil and not good. So Carnegie and Rockefeller hired this guy. His name was Flexner. And what they did was they said, hey, we need to find somebody to sell our drugs. And what they did was they went to the, they went to the medical profession and they said, hey, medical profession, medical doctors, we're going, to, we're going to give you tons of money. We're going to build you beautiful hospitals. We're going to build you amazing schools to learn out of. We're going to build you like this empire. And we're going to basically set it up to where when people hear about medicine, they're going to go, there's God, there's medicine, there's, or there's, there's medicine, there's God, there's everything else. That's how much we're going to prop you up. But here's the deal, medicine. You got to sell our drugs. That's the only caveat. You got to sell our drugs. And you know what they said? Cool. Sign me up. And oh, by the way, anybody that doesn't agree with you in medicine, we're going to crush them. So then Flexner went to the DOs, the doctors of osteopathic medicine. They went to, to Dr. Still and they said, hey, listen, these medical doctors, we're giving them the money. We're giving them the power. We're giving them all the cool stuff. They're getting all this notoriety. They're getting power. You name it. You want to get in on that? Because if not, you don't have to, but we're going to crush you. You're going to be gone. You're going to be gone, gone, gone. And they said, well, we don't really have a choice. This is John D. Rockefeller and Carnegie. So they said, all right, that's when osteopaths shifted from nutrition and joint manipulation because the osteopaths used to adjust. That's what, it, basically they were a chiropractor that did nutrition. Okay, that's what they did. So now you cannot tell today the difference between a DO and a medical doctor, same training, same philosophy, same everything. Flexner. Then they went to the chiropractors and they said, hey, chiropractors, they went to D.D. Palmer and B.J. Palmer and they said, hey, chiropractors, uh, we gave a really sweet deal to medical doctors. We gave a really sweet deal to those uh, DOs. Um, we're going to offer you the same deal. If you don't join our ranks, you don't push our drugs, you don't do what we tell you to do, well, we're going to crush you guys as well. D.D. and B.J. Palmer said, why don't you go suck it? And they said, we ain't doing that. We're not pushing those drugs. We're not pushing that surgery. But then what did they do? They created something called the American Medical Association created the Committee on Quackery. You ever heard of that term quack? So yep. anybody that didn't join the term with the MDs and the DOs, so the acupuncturists, the herbalists, the, the naturopaths, the chiropractors, everybody who was in the healing arts that didn't join the Flexner Report and join the, the um, Rockefeller and Carnegie deal, they said, all right, we're going to start a committee on quackery. And we're going to call you a quack. It's a propaganda. That's all it was. It was propaganda. And they were, they told people, they told people that, you know, hey, these guys are quacks. They're going to kill you. They're not real doctors, herbalists, nutrition. <laughs> Even though 99.99% of every drug comes from an herb, a root, or something, they just chemically change it 10% so they can sell it for billions of dollars. And so, so then in the 1970s, uh, there was a, a, a lawsuit that was filed called the Wilkes lawsuit was filed out of Iowa and Missouri. There's a group of doctors, a group of chiropractors and herbalists and nutritionists and whatnot. And they, they, fought, they fought against the, uh, the Committee of Quackery and they won a landmark lawsuit. It took them three years to fight it. And they said, now it is illegal for any type of a person, medical doctor, DO, anybody legal, non-legal, to call another doctor a quack. It is against the anti, it's, an, it's a Wilkes violation, which is a federal violation. Doctors can lose their, their license over it. One of my degrees is in chiropractic. And I'll tell you what I love. When you know the rules of the game, man, it's fun to play by the rules. 
Because you know when some jerkwad's like, well, are you going to talk to that quack? Oh, cool. My lawyer's going to send you a letter. You're now in violation of a national law called the Wilkes violation. Oh, crap. Uh, I'm going to lose my license if I don't put a public statement out saying I apologize for doing what I'm doing. That that's the history. That is that is a, a snippet of the history of where healthcare is. And now, if you look at like in America, you want to talk about mistrust in the healthcare system. Let's look at the Tuskegee experiment. <laughs> let's look at let's look at the fact about the opioid crisis. Purdue Pharma told the world, not doctors, pharmacists, pharmaceutical, not pharmacists, pharmaceutical companies told doctors, go ahead and prescribe my drugs. They're not going to kill people. Sixty thousand Americans have been dying per year from properly prescribed drugs. And now don't you think it's interesting that when that golden goose got pulled away a year and a half ago, now when COVID came back, guess what's happening now? Opioid crisis off the charts again. What about antidepressant medications? Journal of Nature magazine shows that 86% of neurodegenerative issues, mental issues like anxiety, depression, bipolar, et cetera, can be reversed by diet nutrition. What about the fact that in, in the 1980s in, in the United States of America, our Surgeon General C. Everett Koop, the guy at the time, did an exhaustive study that showed that some 80% of chronic disease, and the big three were heart disease, cancer, and diabetes, were reversible from lifestyle change. The American Diabetic Society here in the United States has a 2% success rate in reversing type 2 diabetes. I belong to a company, an organization. We have the very first world uh, in the United States. We have a patent on a process to reverse type 2 diabetes. It's 100% guaranteed. They don't want you to know about that stuff. Don't get me started on the cancer industry. Don't get me started on the vaccine industry. These systems are set up for you to be continually on the cycle because that's the only way they propagate this. The, the, the Food and Drug Administration are in bed with the government. The government, if you look, I mean, look at this. Look at all these senators and ex-congressmen and women. Look at the people who, who used to work for the FDA that are now vice president and president of Purdue of pharmaceutical companies. There's a problem there. And the, the reason, the thing is this, Steve, cognitive dissonance, people just don't want to believe it because think about this. If, if everything you thought was real, you started seeing that it wasn't, now you have to start questioning everything else in your life. And most people just aren't mentally equipped for that. They're not, they're just not, they're not ready for that journey. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. that's so true with healthcare. Yeah. Wow. I mean, we could do a whole show because I know all about the AMA and, and uh, you know, I'm big on uh, megadose intravenous vitamin C and you have a uh, infusion protocol, the Meyer, um, the Meyer uh, uh, infusion. But I, I want to sneak it in. But just real yeah. short, part of what Chris said was, you know, the, the goal is to sort of terminate as many people um, through misdiagnosis, overtreatment, undertreatment. And so just like it's my view that if people could get megadose intravenous vitamin C and as soon as they had an issue, there'd almost be no medical industry, um, you know, pharmaceutical industry. So because to me, I'm not a I'm not a germ theory guy, I'm a terrain theory guy. And that disease starts from a lack of nutrition and a compromised immune system, toxicity, acidity and disease can only live in that environment. So can you kind of, you know, can you tie in your infusion and nutrition to how they've suppressed that. And they also, in order to get this advanced uh, poison dart, they had to suppress therapies that were, were showing progress because the only way they could get the poison dart advanced was they had to suppress any information that showed there were things that worked. 
Yeah. So first of all, I'm a huge fan of orthomolecular nutrition, which is the technical term for IV vitamins, right? By the way, uh, started with with uh, Dr. John Meyer back in the 1940s, who was really good friends with Linus Pauling and all these other guys that won Nobel Prizes. Dr. John Meyer had a 100% cure rate, cure rate with tuberculosis back in the day when it was killing you know, hundreds of thousands of people across the world all the time. People had to be in iron lungs and whatnot. So they started doing all this research on vitamin C and unlocked the healing potentials of it. I mean, it's amazing. But what, to, by the way, why IV is so important versus oral is most people have leaky gut problems. Most people don't absorb because of stress in the world, because of the standard American diet or the Western diet, um, glyphosate, GMOs, uh, antibiotic overuse, the sticky proteins in the gut lining separate and they open, toxins come out, you can't absorb nutrients. Most people have that issue. You take vitamins orally by mouth, you absorb eight to 10% of it at best. You take it in an IV, it goes, it doesn't, it bypasses the GI tract, 90, 98% absorbability. And you can do high doses. If I do more than six grams of vitamin C in the average person by mouth, they're going to get diarrhea. I can put hundred grams in an IV and their body just gets supercharged. And what's interesting about IV therapy is, boy, there has been a massive concerted effort since Dr. John Myers back in the day. Literally, when he was when he came out, was like, "Listen, we have the cure for tuberculosis," and he did. Anybody that has an opportunity, go look up the white paper that was done. It's just a white paper on on vitamin C IV called the Myers cocktail, named after Dr. John Meyer. The research on it is ridiculous, from addiction to chronic pain to tinnitus in the ears to fibromyalgia, to sports performance, to just everything. And if you go to other countries, not in the United States, but you go to other countries in, in America, we can't treat cancer with anything other than with anything other than, than chemo and radiation. It's illegal. You lose your license. You and go can, to, I, can I add those two things are carcinogenic? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So say that again. Those two things I are mean, chemo, chemo and radiation cause oh, well, cancer. If you can survive the chemo, you're going to survive the cancer. I mean, that's and cancer is an immune system problem. Yes, it's genetic in 8% of the people, up to 12 max, but it's epigenetic, not finite genetic, which is a whole different deal. But the deal is, is that there's been a huge concerted effort. And I'll tell you what's really interesting. Check this out. So at the beginning of, of 2020, when this pandemic hit the world, my office and 1,100 other practitioners that I know that belong to certain organizations that do orthomolecular vitamins, we all got letters from the FTC. And the letters, the Federal Trade Commission in the United States said this to us. And if you go Google me now, it's hard to find anything except for the letter from the FTC. That's a warning. And the warning is, is that the doctors cannot, we cannot declare that taking high dose vitamin C is a preventative or a treatment for um, SARS-CoV-2, which if you now know, thank God, Dr. Merrick, who is his, uh, uh, out of West Virginia Medical School, is a, he's from South, South Africa. So he just, he's just. He ain't going to stop till we get the word out. Him and Zelenko, have, and I mean, we all talk regularly anyway, we're able to get these protocols in hospitals. So now you go to hospitals. I can't tell you how many thousands of calls I've got from doctors across the country. And they're like, what should I do? I said, here's the vitamin IV protocol. Next thing you know, I get a call the next day and they're like, holy cow, our patients have made a complete turnaround. But they sent a letter pre like preventatively on their end saying that FTC says, you better go scare the hell out of these doctors so that they don't make any claims that vitamins are going to be preventing or treating, you know, this disease. So that's so stupid. 
Um, and, and by the way, none of us got any penalties, any fines, but it's all propaganda because it's all public perception. People perceive things They're like, oh, these doctors got FTC warnings. People don't realize things like the FTC, the Better Business Bureau. It's all it's all BS. It's all BS. Yeah. It's all propaganda. Well, also, can I can I show you um, Dr. Merrick, uh, the news clip for Dr. Merrick using intravenous megadose liquid vitamin C to right. reverse sepsis and even cancer. And I don't even know how he's doing it. The news. What do they say? Doctor uses controversial new treatment. Like, so vitamin C is controversial, but using something that causes cancer is not. Chemo causes cancer. So my point is, it's the way things are twisted and inverted. And Dr. Frederick Klenner in the 1940s yeah. reversed 60 cases of polio using intravenous vitamin C. So, so, so I work a lot with the Reardon Clinic and Klenner's work. That's what I really, that's how I got into this. I mean, I got into IV therapy because my wife got sick and I couldn't figure out how to help her. Within three days, she was better. And I was like, holy crap, I better learn this. So you can't tell me it doesn't work because I see it, you know? But, um, oh, and, and Merrick, by the way, should be nominated for a Nobel Prize because like with sepsis, which is what people die from. And by the way, when people get this virus and they end up in the hospital, a lot of them die. They die from sepsis poisoning in their blood. Vitamin C IVs um, is now a recognized, has been now for I think almost four years, maybe longer, but what Merrick did was, and I forget the exact numbers, but but normally if you had sepsis in the hospital, you had like a you had like a sixty percent fatality rate. It might have even been higher than that. He was able to cut that almost in half, like thirty to thirty five percent, by using vitamin IVs that cost pennies on the dollar. This guy should be getting a Nobel Prize for this stuff, and yet they try to kick him out of medicine, ostracize him, pull this stuff away because that's part of the system that I'm talking about. And the system is so much more than just. Um, than just medicine. It's the, it's the media branch of it. It's the government branch of it. It's all these, it's, it's, it's the blind leading the blind. So I, that's that part. There was one part of the, that I got off track that you asked. Uh, I, didn't I wanted you to tie how there's suppressing that intravenous vitamin C can reverse almost anything. They make it a controversial treatment, how it ties into the, the advancement of the jab um, by suppressing ivermectin and, yeah. uh, and Steve, I got you. So here's the deal. Just so you understand, I want, ev this is very important. I even shared this with two senators recently in Missouri, and they were like, huh, these are senators in Missouri. So when the FDA was granted, because the FDA was granted with an agreement through Congress in the United States called the Emergency Use Authorization. Emergency Use Authorization is a, is a, uh, uh, it's an ability for us to fast track a drug, a therapeutic uh, whatever, this jab that we're doing right now, without long-term studies, research, et cetera, all under the term of a, of, a, of a pandemic. So it's not a licensed drug. There's a difference between license and, and experimental. So under the emergency use authorization, there were 17 points of criteria, 17 points that had to have been met. There, the FDA and, and, and Congress says, okay, we'll let you release this, but you have, you have these parameters. You have to live within this. If you go outside of this, then you are outside of the EAU. And by the way, some of that is, you know, like with the Moderna, you have to do it within 21 days. And the Pfizer, you have to do it within 28 days. If you go outside of that, you are outside of the EAU authorization. By the way, one of the other things that Congress said here in the United States was because it's experimental and not a licensed drug or a licensed whatever you want to call it, we must give people the freedom to choose to take or not to take. So all these people that are hearing about losing their jobs or whatever, there's vindication that's going to be coming down the pipe for those people uh, because it's not legal. And, and Steve, to your point, part of those 17 criteria was there could not be another therapeutic 
uh, that could either prevent or reverse the disease, um, which is why they were able to get the, the, the jab out, okay? And that is why there was a concerted effort to suppress ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, which by the way, ivermectin is a beta agonist uh, medication. That's what zinc is. It's the same thing as zinc. It is the same damn thing as zinc. So that's why they suppressed high dose zinc. I had a video uh, that I was talking about zinc and tonic water. Why tonic water? Because hydroxychloroquine is a cousin of quinine. Quinine comes from the bark of the Jacona plant in South America. So we take that, we take the, the, the quinine with the zinc. It does the same thing therapeutically that, that ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine does. But they suppress that. And they also suppress the, by the way, Journal of Pathology 2006, 2010, and 2011 shows that high levels of zinc in adequate levels um, stop viruses from proliferating. And, and the virus they named was the enterovirus and uh, COVID. We've known that. And then um, we've known for a long time that high dose levels of vitamin D, because vitamin D is an, is a, um, an ACE2 receptor uh, blocker. So you got that sticky protein. You see that spike on the, on the virus thing that we see on the news, that little st sticky thing. You take in a vitamin D and it just, it's like Teflon. It slides off there. It can't stick to the tune of, listen to this. Journal of Nature magazine in 2020, which is a medical peer-reviewed journal, says if you have adequate levels of vitamin D in your system, and it needs to be D3, not D2, you have a 77, let me say this again, a 77% less chance of contracting the virus in the first place. Masks don't do that. This jab definitely doesn't do that. It doesn't stop the infection. No medications do that. Nothing does that. Vitamin D does. And by the way, those of you that are in Ireland, that, that study that was done in Ireland, April 15th of 2020, was a game changer. Your country showed that if you have vitamin D, not only you have a higher risk of getting it, but you also have a higher chance of having more severity. But they suppressed that information, Steve, because if that information was out there, they could not have been granted the emergency use authorization. And by the way, you guys know Dr. Sherry Tenpenny? Sherry's one of my closest yeah, friends. I talked to her, her on last week or two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. I talked to her at least three times a day. I love her to death. And she is a genius, by the way. You don't want to get on that woman's wrong side. Oh Lord, I love her. She has identified 10 mechanisms of which this jab causes degeneration, disease, and even death. And we've also identified multiple medications that were approved and were considered under necessary drugs that could have been used to prevent the deaths of potentially hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, all because they need to push this thing through. That is coming to the truth more than ever. And what are you going to do when you hear that? What are you going to do when you see that? Who are you going to trust moving forward? Just think about that, Steve. So I think that's a great question. That's a great thing for people. Yeah. To well, I'm going to, I want to say one last thing before I pass it to Hartman. So uh, Dr. Kleiner in the forties, with intravenous vitamin C, liquid vitamin C, reversed 60 polio patients of paralysis and polio. And, they, and he also gave it to pregnant women. And their babies were so healthy in the 40s and 50s, they called them vitamin C babies. Yep. Okay. Today, they're pushing pregnant mothers to take the jab. Now, just think if the pregnant mother could get intravenous vitamin C versus this jab. That's all I'm going to say. Hartman, take it. Thank you so much. Uh, Dr. Nibutz, it's, it's brilliant. It's brilliant listening to you. And um, I want to talk also about the jab. Uh, for example, Bill Gates says so wonderful. He wants to vaccine 7 billion people. Yeah. And I and, uh, there was in July 2020 uh, amazing 
and yeah, from Amazing Polly, an interview concerning is it torture? So if you want to vaccine seven million people, you have to break the free will, and um, if you break the free will, all the measurements are, are very well known to break the free will: wearing masks, uh, distress the people to get get sick and all this stuff and in and, 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 and at the end the hippocampus doesn't work anymore right and the bndf protein doesn't work and so the the brain doesn't work anymore and the people are not able to to uh, manage the daily life and also to they they break the free will by the less protein produ uh, protein production and also the mask wearing and all this and all the whole stress will be saved in the jaw and this will uh, create problems in the in the in the sphenoid bone and then the people get also psychological um problems for example death wish and all that thing can you talk about these things so that the people can get a little bit uh, with with small measurements they can get uh let's say more happy because they got they have too much stress in the in in the jaw for example so, so great questions. And, um, you asked a lot. So if I miss some of it, ask again. Okay. Great questions. I mean, very, very in depth. And I love this. That means, you know, what you're talking about, the quality of the questions you ask yourself and ask other people are what's going to get us out of this problem. So here's the first thing I'll tell you, it goes back to the whole idea of, um, if we don't know our history, we're doomed to repeat it. Did you know that, that the, the reason why, like in the United States, we have, um, we have something called the PrEP Act. And if you had Dr. Tenpenny on, she probably discussed that. But the PrEP Act, one of the things that the PrEP Act did, did a lot of things, but it, it gave complete immunity to the manufacturers of these jabs. It gave a complete immunity, which means if you, like as of this morning, as of this morning, I'll just, I'm going to make sure I have the right number. Um, as of this morning in the United States, there were um, uh, 1,265 confirmed cases of potential death from this jab just in the United States. Now there's over 27,000 reported cases on the vaccine adverse reaction form. Uh, if you go to Nax National Vaccine Information Center, you can see that. Those people that have injuries have zero recourse. They can't go back and sue the manufacturers. They can't go do this. Do you know, did you know that Bill Gates was the number one person that made sure that these manufacturers got had zero liability? So he was the person that pushed that, okay? I wanna make sure everybody understands that. And that's that's not, that's the truth. And if you've never heard that before, that's because that information has been suppressed. Look it up. It's out there. Did you also know that in the nineties, Bill Gates had, and you may or may not know this, but I'm going to repeat this for your viewers, Bill Gates, because he was basically the richest and evilest man on the planet, um, had a very negative public relations outlook in life. And so he needed something he needed something to give good positive PR, PR and spin to make him look like this great, amazing savior in person. So the system always loves to have more money thrown at it because the more money you throw at it, the more power you throw at it, the bigger the system gets, right? And we can take a system in America and now make it globally, which is what's happening right now. And so Bill Gates and his team were looking in, what can I be a philanthropist in? So he said, wow, vaccines, these, these things are really amazing. By the way, he also said, New York Times has him quoted of saying, if I would have known that I could get a 20, listen to this, 20 times, 20 times return on my money, I would have invested in this a long time ago. So he's not doing this out of the goodness of his heart. This is a financial deal. And I know how big money guys work. You don't think 
that um, that Bill Gates is a little bit ticked off that Elon Musk just passed him up as the world's most wealthiest man. That's going to change if he gets this 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 jab licensed because if he gets licensed, then it's going to be mandatory. It can't it can't be made mandatory at least not in America until it becomes a license. Not many people know that, but Congress laid that out. It's in the Prep Act. So so that's that's something that people need to understand. Number one, we we also need to understand a couple other things. You're totally right. The most the highest point of neurological input in our body, second to our feet, our eyes, is our jaw. Okay, so if you're wearing this this you know this facial condom diaper, whatever you want to call it, on your face all day long, it's holding tension and tightness in there. That not only affects your jaw, but it affects all your cranial bones. Well, that then affects our brain negatively, and especially our pineal gland. And so that then suppresses our frontal lobe. And there's science that supports all this stuff, you guys. One of my fellowships is in functional neurology. I could talk all day about the neuro component of how the body responds to stuff. Structure precedes neurological function. So when the jaw gets shut down, now the brain doesn't fire like it's supposed to. The frontal lobe goes down and inhibits. The frontal lobe is the part of the brain that allows for critical thinking, rational thinking, common sense, deductive reasoning. All that's being suppressed, yes, by literally wearing this mask. And it also increases carbon dioxide and lowers oxygen in the body. By the way, we've done multiple studies on this. So is OSHA, by the way. By the way, OSHA in the United States is who regulates the wearing of safety equipment, not the FDA, not the CDC. They don't do studies on this stuff. OSHA does. And OSHA has been really quiet about this. By the way, the president of OSHA, I can't remember his name. His, uh, he has a Hispanic last name. I forget it. But his dissertation that he wrote his, his thesis on, his master thesis, was the negative effects of wearing masks on oxygen levels. It's pretty. It's so ironic. You can Google it and look it up. It's like the guy who runs OSHA literally did his dissertation paper on how lowering oxygen and increasing carbon dioxide causes death in the workplace. But yet these are the guys that are not saying anything, uh, just going along blindly with uh, these draconian measures that are happening. So, so you're right about that. Um, what else, uh, Hartman, did uh, you have? I, did you... I, I thought about, um, one, I wanted to add something. And in, in the slavery, uh, uh, during the slavery time in the 18th, in the 19th century, they had to wear the mask at the same time. So they, so the will was broken. And, uh, and by the stress, the hippocampus, especially, for example, also by, uh, uh, in the children, the hippocampus produce BNDF protein. Yes. And this, and uh, if, for example, you, you know it from uh, soldiers who came out of war and who have a post-traumatic, uh, um, post-traumatic, what is it? Uh, stress uh, syndrome. Stress syndrome, yes. They have a reduced BNDF production. And this happens now, for example, after one year of chronic stress, the people, the the brain doesn't work so much anymore, and yes. the and the and the free will of the will of the people get broken. So, so to speak to that, there are first of all, um, there was a Roger Bannister. Uh, I think it was Roger Bannister, either Roger Bannister or Roger Sperry. One of them won a Nobel Prize. The other one was a an Olympic uh, who broke the one minute mile. I forget which one it was, but one of those guys won a Nobel Prize in the nineteen eighties. And they found that movement in the body was the number one nutrient for the brain. So when you have those chin strap jaws things on, that doesn't allow the brain to work like it's supposed to. That knocks out the vagus nerve. The vagus nerve, which has 5% of of function of the vagus nerve, goes from the brain to the organs to the gut. 95% of it comes from the enteropathic nervous system, the gut to the brain. What happens is when we don't move our body, we don't have the right amount of nutrients 
um, and we are under chronic stress, cortisol goes up, our um, GABA uh, neurotransmitter and our serotonin and dopamine go down. Our GI tract gets messed up and our brain doesn't work. Happiness really comes from the chemicals of serotonin and dopamine. And um, if, if we, if we want to get people happy again, we got to get them moving. We got to get them out in the sunshine and we got to get their GI tract right. If you don't have, by the way, here's a little, little secret. There's a nutrient called tributyrin, which is a butyric acid, butyrate. And uh, we, we mix butyrate and nucleotides together and we can actually improve uh, GABA. Uh, we can improve serotonin and dopamine levels within four to six weeks of people. Uh, that's how we break up the pattern of PTSD and it can be done. But let me tell you something. They don't want you to know about that either because they like you being suppressed. That PTSD thing is a control deal. It's how they control some of the most powerful people, the strong. I mean, think about all the warriors, the soldiers. Some of my best friends are combat veterans and they came back from war. These are the people that you don't want to mess with, right? But they come back from war. And if they hear thunder, it literally puts them in a fight or flight response that they don't, they literally either cry or wet their pants. And if we just simply get the gut right and movement right to the spine and the jaw, we can fix that within six weeks. And, and they don't want that information to be out either because let me just tell you, um, if our soldiers are ready to fight um, and aren't scared of stuff like that, that's a scary thing for them too. Because remember, we only need 3% of the people to go, we're not dealing with this anymore. And, and it'd be nice if some of those 3% were people that were uh, uh, combat veterans. <laughs> I'm just yeah. saying. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, um, a friend of mine in Russia uh, she she is chewing on a wine corks, and this also helps brilliantly to 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 release the stress, or for example to work with um, pulse electromagnetic system here in this area, including with laser, works also brilliant. So because yes. then because it goes directly, the jaw goes directly to the bow to the spine. Uh, so you talking about the jaw and the tailbone and the sacrum? Sacrum. Yeah, the sacrum and the sphenoid bone are connected. Yep, and and uh, and the people can normally, with only a very small um, adjustment of the head, they can adjust the sphenoid bone and also the sacrum. And yeah. and and the sphenoid bone, which is is amazing. The sphenoid bone. Guess what lives inside the sphenoid bone? The sphenoid bone's here. What lives inside in here is your pituitary and your pineal gland. So yes. if you don't have the rights that you those can't. I mean, it's. This is the cool thing about what healthcare is. And this is what I cannot wait for. Wait until we have, I mean, a, a surgeon general in the United States that goes, wait a minute, you don't need to take so many drugs. Why don't we just get your sacrum and your pineal gland working better? Why don't we just get you on the right nutrients? Wait a minute, you can take that jab if you want to, but there's all this other stuff you can do to boost and empower your immune system. Why don't we just do that? Now, the problem is, is that the people that, that control the system we're at now definitely don't want that. That's going to be majorly opposed, but people are waking up and I'm telling you, you know, I've got over two and a half million people that have downloaded my prevention and treatment protocol uh, that's now being used in hospitals and doctors are using it across the world. And I think what's interesting as well, I was at the CDC a um, couple months ago and we were, you know, we were, it wasn't a formal testifying, but we were talking about protocols and all this stuff. And, you know, there was, there was an opportunity for them to maybe possibly try to intimidate us with some of the things that we're doing. And what was interesting was when I talked to each one of them individually, I found out that most of them are taking my vitamin D3 and zinc and using my protocols. So I thought these are, the, that's, what's interesting is these are the folks that are contributing to the system of what's happening, causing problems, but yet secretly at home, 
Like Fauci says, yeah, I take vitamin D. I take zinc. I do high dose vitamin C. Why wouldn't I? Why don't you tell everybody you do that, you dummy, so they can start doing some of the right stuff because they don't want you to know that. And the average person is just so, they're just so stressed out trying to get through their day anyway. That's why we have professionals. They don't want to think about it themselves. They want their doctors to tell them what they're supposed to do. Well, that reset's coming. It's actually already on its way. It's just going to take some time to get them all there. That's it. Yeah. And I have one question maybe, uh, and I would ask you to also to talk about this uh, subject. Many people, because of all the measurements, the whole body is in stress. And this stress is not only, um, cannot only be depressions. It can also be um, bronchitis. Bronchitis, is that correct? Bronchitis? Bronch bronchitis? Bronchitis? Bronchitis, yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, okay. Bronchitis. Yeah. And this bronchitis can also be result in, uh, let's say, in a positive test. So the fu the funny thing is, no, you are you get stressed by the measurements, you get sick by the uh, you don't want to make a test, then yeah. you get stressed, you get sick because of the stress because this is, these are uh, like in Joe Biden report the non torture the non touching torture, mm -hmm. yeah, and uh, then the people get uh, yeah then then the people get a positive test with Corona, yeah. So <laughs> let me let me speak on this because so like Gray said, I, I also, you know, I'm I'm in the laboratory business and molecular testing is something that I've done for a long time. And I will tell you that PCR testing does have its place, not for this, not oh, for yes, SOSCOV2. Yes. PCR testing definitely has its place in differential diagnoses, but sure as hell not in this. And when I heard um, and by the way, let me tell you this story real quick. I think it's important that you hear this. So I had, I had a um, conversation with my, with my lab directors and my team. And I said, I want to donate 139,000 tests to St. Louis. We're going to do the test for free. I'll do them and I'll pay for it myself because this was in April of 2020. And in April of 2020, in order to get a PCR test, you had to be over the age of 25 and almost on your deathbed to get this test. And even then it was really, we we're not really sure about the testing. But, and so I said, listen, here's what I want to do. I got 139,000 tests. I will donate them. I'll give them to the city. I'll run these tests for free. I'll do them myself. And I want to run them on asymptomatic and symptomatic people because, by the way, just so everybody's clear on this, if you don't have symptoms, you don't have disease. Because SARS-CoV-2 is a virus, COVID-19 is a disease, and in, and in healthcare and medicine, you equated disease with symptoms. That's it. That is it. Okay. So if you don't have asymptom, if you're asymptomatic, you're not a problem. And by the way, the study in China completely confirmed that with 10 million people. But anyway, I talked to the powers that be uh, in, in the government um, locally and said, Hey, I'm just going to do these. I just want your, I just wanted political support for it. I just want to make sure that I wasn't going to have any backlash on this. And we had this meeting and they said, well, you know, this sounds good. I'm interested. This is what the government was telling me. Uh, but Dr. Naputi, what cycle testing are you testing at? And I said, we're testing at 27 cycles. That's the gold standard <laughs> for testing. And they all, they all were like, hmm, we're going to have to get back to you on that. The next day I got a call. They said, we don't want you to test, but we'll take those swabs and we'll run the test for you. And I said, that doesn't seem right. And two of my close friends are directors of public health in the state that I work in. And I said, let me ask you a question. What's going on? And they said, well, right now our PCR testing is a minimum of 42 and a maximum of 55. And I said, you're going to have a 97% false positive with these tests. 
because even Carrie Mullis, the PhD scientist that developed this, who ironically died in either 2018 or 19, who wasn't around to defend this, came out and said, you're going to find anything on anybody if you test it because we have coronaviruses that live in our body. 45% of our DNA is viruses. So so the, the false positives are ridiculous. And there's even, I don't know if you saw this, this just re- recently came out. In fact, Bobby Kennedy sent it to us that there are leaked documents now that are going back and forth that were emails back and forth from the NIH, CDC, and Tony Fauci saying that, hey, we've got some major concerns with the level of amplification that we're testing at. We have so many false positives. We don't know what's real and what's not real. And that's when, if you remember in America, they made the shift. It was like June or July from worrying about deaths, which we can totally talk about that too, to infection rate. And it was all around the time that the PCR testing went up. In fact, if you remember in July of 2020, there was a laboratory in Florida and a laboratory in Alabama, and and they had 100% of their tests were all positive. That's statistically impossible. That's because they were testing at 50, 50 amplification. And then once we doctors like myself started talking about the negative effects of amplification and all the false positives, they immediately started suppressing that, that information. And now it's coming back to light. But see, the thing is, is that we've got to hold these people accountable for this. This is not like, a, oh, I made a mistake. I was wrong. Like, no, dude, we knew all this stuff. You did this on purpose. This is treason. And if you ain't going to jail forever, you know, we better at least hang your ass or something because we can't let this happen again. I'm sorry, but that's just the way it should be. And is America now um, here in Germany, they, for example, try to make a fast, very fast tests. Yeah, this is uh, also ridiculous. But, uh, for example, before you go, uh, before you go to the haircutter, a haircutter has a sign. Yeah, you yeah. are allowed to enter this with a test. If you have a negative test, you can enter and we, we cut your hair. Uh, it's ridiculous. Is this in the U.S. at the moment at the same? Is this the same level? Yeah. So they, I've got plenty of time, by the way, you guys want to do another round, we can. Yeah. So I did a, uh, I did a social media video that I don't know, like a million, five people watched it before it got shut down. You can't even find the video now. It was Dr. Naputi's rapid uh, COVID-19 test. And I had a quarter. And what I would do is I would see a person, I'd flip the quarter, heads, you're positive, tails, you're negative. Cause that's the same. I mean, you probably have a better chance statistically of getting it right with the quarter than you do with the rapid test. Those are so like, I just don't, I, it just makes no sense. There's no science. But the fact that people buy this stuff, and, and here's the thing that, let me just, and this is how it is in America. Think about this business model. The, the, the American population, the, the taxpayers of America, we're the ones that gave money to the pharmaceutical companies. They gave our money to the pharmaceutical companies to say, go make this product. We paid for R&D. We paid for development. We paid for all that. We even paid for Merck. We paid $350 million to Merck for Merck to go, eh, we can't make one. Like that was taxpayers wasted money. Then we paid for the distribution of it. Now we're paying for the marketing of it because the CDC says that um, uh, the V word hesitancy is the number one problem that we have now. So now we're marketing to people. They're paying off celebrities. They're paying off TV people. They're paying off who are probably not even getting this jab anyway. I mean, I just saw Dolly Parton and freaking Willie Nelson get the damn shot. I'm telling you right now, if those two people die, I'm, Steve, I'm with you. I'm going to go on a rampage, okay? It's just ridiculous. <laughs> and now, now, now Joe Biden and the World Health Organization just announced February 22nd that the World Health Organization has now just launched the world's first, and it's in parentheses, no fault, no fault 
vaccine uh, compensation program, which means nobody's fault. You got hurt. And guess who's paying for that? The taxpayers are. So we're paying for the problems. We're paying. We're not making any money because we're, we're, we're locked in our basements. We're paying for all this shit. And now we got to pay for the problems. Are you kidding me? Like I'm a business guy. I sell supplements. I would love to be able to charge everybody, number one, to make my stuff, then charge them to ship it to them. Then I want you to pay for it. Then if you get hurt, I want you to pay for me to fix you. Like what kind of business model is that? You understand how ludicrous that is? That's what we're living in right now. It's not real. <laughs> it's not real. No, it's thank you so real. much. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you so much, Dr. Nipusa. I give to Grace. Thank you so much. It was brilliant. There's a time Thank you.